and welcome to another episode of Gamerheads. My name is Roger, aka Rogue Leader76, and with me this week are my co-host Mike, aka Pezman Mike, and my other co-host Christian, aka Falgan. Unfortunately, Blue wasn't able to make it this week, but she'll join us again next week. Um, but we do have a big show for you, not the wrestler, as I always mention. Hey, <laughs> I caught that. I knew what you were going with that. Thanks. Christian, do you even know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. I do. Uh, But we do have a lot to cover this week. We have a couple of reviews. Uh, So we'll be uh, providing reviews for the Caligula Effect overdose and also for Wargroove as well. So we'll go through that. Uh, We do have some news. uh, So some items there. We have our listener feedback. And uh, we'll go through your listener feedback from last week. And then we also have our hot topic. And in honor of International Women's Day, we're going to be talking about who our top five video female video game characters of all time are. So that'll be our hot topic this week. But before we get into all of that, we do have an icebreaker. And our icebreaker this week, since Nintendo's two-year anniversary just happened, Nintendo Switch, not Nintendo's. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo Switch's two-year anniversary just happened. I'd like to know, what is your favorite Switch game? currently that's there's man there are so many good options on that if i were to go by uh, and i checked my stats if i were to go by time played uh i've already put in and i know christian for you this is like a drop in the bucket but i put in over 65 hours into stardew valley oh my gosh really yeah Jeez. yeah i didn't realize that i was like oh wow okay well that's (laughs) that's a lot of time um, but in terms of my favorites, well, Breath of the Wild is definitely there, but I, yeah. I had, when I really think about it, I have to say like, I've had a lot of fun with golf story. Mm. Oh yeah. That's a good game. Yeah. And that's, um, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It's a different type of game. You know, it's a, it's a golf RPG with a sense of humor. So, and, yeah. you know, a dark sense of humor, a dark, very dark sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, the one part that I'm stuck on that game right now, Mike, is the it's not very far, but I'm stuck on the frisbee, the the disc golf. Oh yes, I had to I had to do that a lot. Oh my god! Before I so got hard. the hang of it. Yeah, it's so awkward. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is that is a tough part to get through. But and I, and I thought the game wasn't going to be that long, but I, I it's it's there's a lot of yeah. story in it, and it's there's a lot to do. I'm at a part right now where I'm playing against um, Lara in like an actual game and i just cannot Ooh. beat her like yeah she gets to a point where she's like seriously she goes she goes like super saiyan or something and i'm just like all right this <laughs> is really tough but yeah but no but i still enjoy it. so golf yeah. story and if you're a fan of physical copies best buy has the limited run uh games physical version of it yeah oh, really yep i wish so. one thing i do wish that game did offer was online or multiplayer yeah. that, that would have be been cool. really cool that would have been really cool but it's a good game. I like it, regardless. Mm-hmm. But that would have been that would have been over the top awesome for that game. Yeah. Nice. What about you, Christian? What is your favorite Nintendo Switch game so far? That's tough. That's tough for me to say. I I think it could be a toss up between any number of things. If it was just by hours played, it would be Smash Ultimate at seventy plus hours. But I wouldn't say that that's my favorite Switch game. If I had to pick one. 
It would probably be Breath of the Wild because that's boring. That's the boring choice, but it's the obvious one for me. Someone who's grown up playing open world games and really someone who really enjoys the way that Nintendo was able to reinvigorate a genre that they had really never taken a stab at in the past and simultaneously pay homage to the original Legend of Zelda. I mean, it's yeah. just like the perfect the perfect idea and concept and it's got plenty of flaws, but I love it regardless. Bayonetta 2 would probably be a close mm. second for me. That game's fantastic. Yeah, I, I didn't play that one at all, so highly recommend it. I got it on Wii U and Switch. Loved it yeah. both times. Nice. Hmm. Uh cool. For myself, boy. Like, yeah, this is hard because there are a lot of really good Switch games. Um, I think one that I really love going back to is the SNK 40th Anniversary Collection. Because mm. ah. there's a lot. <laughs> there's like 23 games, I think, something like that. There's a lot of games in that collection. And um, and one of the games that I, I just, I didn't realize... Uh, how much I was gonna love it until I started playing it was Crystallis. That game is so good. Mm. Uh, that game alone is worth just just a collection. But there's a lot of good games in that collection, and and it's cool because it has a lot of cool artwork too in the in the in the collection. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of history in that. So I really, and I think this is the weird part, but like it, I don't know. It kind of snapped like a nostalgia, like I don't know thing inside me like i i started like really liking nostalgia games because of it like retro games because of it it's weird but like i was just like oh my gosh this is amazing and then i wanted to go play more like retro type games so mm-hmm. yeah so I, I would have to say this that's the game that i keep going back to like when i look at my list i'm like oh oh i'm gonna play this game this looks fun and yeah so there's just a lot to offer in that game yeah so listeners what are your favorite uh, Nintendo Switch games, so you can get a hold of us. Christian, how can people send us a tweet? At GamerHeadsPC on Twitter. And then they can also ho- uh, get a hold of us on email. At info at GamerHeadsPodcast.com. And on Facebook. Facebook.com slash GamerHeadsPodcast. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, reach out to us. And you can also go on our website as well. It's GamerHeadsPodcast.com. And you can let us know what your favorite Switch game uh, has been in the last two years. Uh, so happy birthday to the Nintendo Switch. All right, let's move on to our Gamerheads news flash then. So I have a couple items here. And then obviously, uh, if you guys have things that you want to bring up, please do so. So the first one that I have here is actually from Kotaku. And this one states that Anthem players say the game is crashing their PS4s. Oh, no. <laughs> So some of the players are saying that their systems are actually being bricked because of the game. And then EA has actually posted a response on Twitter to this. And the response is, we are aware of crashing issues. Some of you are reporting, have been reporting for Anthem Anthem Game. The best part is that they hashtag Anthem Game. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if you really want to hashtag that game in response to the game crashing, but okay. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we're investigating and uh, ask that you share your crash data reports when prompted. Hmm. If you have, we'll be reaching out to you to gather info. If not, please reply on this thread. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, so... <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, it's I like how they acknowledge that like the game is crashing, but they're not acknowledging that it's actually bricking their systems. 
Share yes. your crash data reports. Okay, how's that going to be possible when my system uh, is yeah. essentially a brick? <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess there is some workarounds around it to get it back running, but geez. Like, and I guess no other consoles are facing this right now. It's just PS4s, which is hmm. also kind of strange. But how how does that go into production? How does a big game like that go into production without being like thoroughly tested? Especially with with EA, arguably yeah. the biggest publisher out there. Yeah. Christian, how does that possible. happen? <laughs> it's possible for a game to brick a system. I think with Anthem in particular, the issue was that there was a bug that would cause your PS4 to shut off. And it would shut off in a manner that, in the same way as pl- unplugging the PS4 from the wall and doing so makes it have to like take some time to recover. And yeah. I guess there's a slim chance that when that happens, it causes a bricked console. And that's very bad. I mean, this is kind of like a Fallout 76 situation where uh, in addition to, you know, pooping on everyone by giving them canvas bags, or yeah. I'm sorry, what was it? Nylon, Nylon. bags instead of canvas. Yeah. 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 Then, like they've they had a credential leak immediately yes. afterwards, yes. which is something that happens to other companies. You know, other games have crashes that happen, but it's just like another pile of poop on an already already bad scenario. And and considering that this game was supposed to be like you know they were heavily promoting this game uh, at the end of last year, and this was one game that I was actually looking forward to. I remember we talked about games that we're looking forward to this year. I think we did that at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. And Anthem was one of those games, and guess who didn't pick it up? I didn't pick it up. Oh, yeah. Did you pick it up, Christian? Did you play it? Uh, I got. Uh, I subscribed to uh-huh. EA oh, Origin right. Access right. Premier, so I got access to it for thirty months for fifteen bucks. I mean, yeah. not thirty months, thirty days, one month. And you're not buying it? No, no, <laughs> no. Very happily not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're right. I mean, it's weird. Like it's just. When I guess when it when it rains it pours, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you want to take the next one? Sure. This one comes to us from Polygon. Uh, another unreleased NES game has been discovered, uh, and this one spotlights 1980s pro wrestling. Uh, so the game was called UWC Wrestling, which stands for Universal Wrestling Corporation. The game features a lot of WCW wrestlers, and apparently Ted Turner was. Uh, going to call NWA, which he purchased, the UWC, but then changed the name to WCW. Uh, so some of the wrestlers include the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk, Sting, Barry Windham, and Ric Flair. Woo. Uh, UWC <laughs> Wrestling, the ROM, will be released uh, to the public, says the person who found this. So uh, that's awesome, first of that's all. That's cool. I'd, I it... would love to see how that plays. Yeah. I, I saw some of the screenshots. I don't know if you guys saw some of the screenshots. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked very much like um, tag team wrestling or or, uh, or muscle wrestling. <laughs> Do you remember those games? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, tag team wrestling was not good. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, the actually the, the character select screen, though, looked pretty cool. You could actually tell which of the characters were. And I was like, oh, this is neat. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I. This is a. This is a. This is a little dark. Not a dark secret, but this is a little unknown fact about me. I guess not really a dark secret. I say it's a dark <laughs> oh, secret. I want to hear the dark secrets. <laughs> well, the, I'm, I'm a wrestling fan. I don't know if that's. that's a, not a, I like wrestling. I I grew up on wrestling. I used to watch, you know, the Saturday morning, uh, you know, cartoon with yes. the 
wrestling suit the superstars i used to watch yeah i used to watch it all the time and yeah. I, I one of my favorite games was on the nes was pro wrestling yeah pro wrestling was great it's mm-hmm. and, and i'm actually still upset that they never included starman and smash yeah oh. or or even you know and when the news came out a few months ago or, or last month that uh nintendo was working on reviving a or that rumor that they were reviving a little known nintendo ip I secretly wish that it was a, a pro wrestling game or something. <laughs> that would have been awesome, wouldn't it, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there was this wrestling game. I don't remember what it was called, but there was one in in, uh, in the arcades that you would have a manager, and your manager would, like, if you picked a manager, the certain manager would, like, throw in his, like, walking stick, and then you could use that against your opponent. It was so cool. Was it WrestleFest? I don't know. Or Survivor Series, Royal Rumble. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't WWE. It wasn't like. Oh. A, it was just like a made-up wrestling league. Okay. Um, but it was so good, and that and that's why I was kind of hoping like something like this would have been found. Like, hey, guess what we found in a you know a ROM of that game somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love I love wrestling games, and uh, I I recently got Fire Pro Wrestling, which I've been enjoying. Yeah. Uh, World. And I just picked up for twenty dollars. I picked up the uh, the manager or the uh, the promoter uh, thing where you can promote your own league. You can create your own leagues and set up matches and stuff like that. So I'm super excited to be playing through that. Um, oh, cool! But yeah, I mean, this really intrigues me that this game was going to come out uh, on the NES, and that somebody found it. That's the crazy part to me that somebody still finds these games. Like, oh, look <laughs> what I found! That's so intriguing. Yeah, that's that's crazy. It is. It's. It's. It is a. It belongs in a museum. That's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna throw it out there. I'll <laughs> yeah. throw that that quote out there. So do you. <laughs> oh, oh, isn't that an insult? Yeah, that's what he's saying. It's an Indiana Jones reference. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That's, that's another '80s reference, like yeah. uh, Retro City Rampage. That. Yeah. 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 Probably would have went over my head. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So cool, uh, Christian. You want to take the last? <laughs> You want to take the last item here? Sure. Happy Mari 10 day. Mar 10. Is that what it is? Mar 10? Yeah, I guess. Mario? March 10th. Mario. Sure. Because it looks like Mario. Yeah. To celebrate, Nintendo has some discounts on games and some sweet Switch packages available at retailers like Best Buy and GameStop. You can learn more at GamerHeadsPodcast.com. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So. so, we were having a discussion about that earlier today. And I just, as 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 an old school gamer and as a lover of the physical copies, I am so torn. But I really think I might want to pick up New Super Mario Brothers U. But Ooh. I don't know. Yeah, me too. I I I guess the thing I didn't realize that it, they weren't available on the Switch uh, eShop, mm-hmm. and it's only you're only uh, you only have the electronic or the um, digital codes available to you at the at the store. So that's kind of. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but it's only 2.5 gig for New Super Mario. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So that doesn't take up a whole lot of space. Yeah, but... forty bucks is probably a better price for that game than sixty. Exactly. <laughs> I would not pay. Yeah, I wouldn't pay sixty for it. Um, but I think forty is a forty is much better. But mm-hmm. oh man, it's such a tough decision. Yeah, it is. It is. So, yeah, I don't know. Any Here's Mario a similar else. Yeah, Mario Party's on sale too. Yeah, and Mario Odyssey. Party. Yeah. Yeah. In case you don't have that, in case you're one of the people who doesn't have Odyssey yet. In the Switch the Switch uh the Switch the Switch that's for sale, you can get it for three twenty nine, I think it is. Then it comes with one you can select one of those games. Yeah. That's not bad. Not yeah. bad at all. 
So that's pretty awesome. A similar situation happened with Octopath Traveler. I think it was that one on sale digital only for like 40 bucks. Really? A few weeks ago. Yeah. And I was tempted because, you know, I've been meaning to pick up Octopath Traveler, but I was like, no, I want the physical copy. I put my foot down and then I waited. Mm. I got the I got the digital copy. I, I almost know, I almost bought the hundred dollar limited co- limited edition, but I'm like, uh, yeah. but but then I was like, eh, it's a pop up book and, and and not the entire soundtrack, so oh, yeah, I, see. I just went with the regular. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think the thing that um for me that I do like having digital copies though is because it's like right there, so I don't have to worry about flipping out cartridges and stuff like that. That's one thing I don't like. I just mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I agree with you on that. Like when Animal Crossing comes out, I think I'm gonna get that gonna get that digitally. Yeah, because that's the kind of game I want to be able to just jump in and play for like 20 yeah. minutes at a time. Exactly. That's yeah. Exactly. That's exactly it. So, um, but yeah. So that those are available. Uh, and you can go to our website, like Christian said, and check out more about that. Uh, more about that, or you can go to Nintendo.com as well and learn more about uh, the different options that they have to offer different discounts but, so. yeah but gamerheads podcast is the better link to go to <laughs> yes mm-hmm. exactly yeah yeah uh in fact the nintendo references our website no <gasps> nintendo, <laughs> yes. nintendo puts that as the news according to gamerheads podcast nintendo <laughs> is going to be having a sale yeah. <laughs> uh, this is fun. news to us folks uh, <laughs> do you guys have anything else no the only thing I have is and I found this so so cool. Um I found us out yesterday. I saw this yesterday was um you know they they the they revived the uh, DuckTales cartoon. Yeah. And I I tried watching it. I couldn't get into it because I don't know, I'm just I'm used to the voices like Huey, Dewey and Louie. They've got like teenager voices. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just it's just but I but then I'm a big voice acting guy so mm. even even when they had like like Roger Roger you and I were talking about this yesterday even on the old episodes the 80s episodes of the Ninja Turtles when they yes. had like the different people voicing the the same characters like cuz one was out sick or something I'm like this isn't right. Yeah. Not, but anyways, but I digress. I'm going off on a tangent here. There's a, an episode you can find it on YouTube where um one of the characters on the show sings a song to the tune of the moon song from the mm. DuckTales NES game. Oh, and that is, that's one of, that is one of my favorite video game tracks. And it was just really cool to, uh, you know, to just hear, hear it being, becoming canon, you know, in the, uh, in the DuckTales universe. Yeah. That's cool. Christian okay. does a really good, uh, voice for Huey, Dewey and Louie. Right? I <laughs> wish I did. Oh, come on. You do. I wish Roger. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's cool. Anything else, guys? Nope. Nope. All right, then let's move on. We do have our listener feedback section. So, uh, listeners, if you do want to get a hold of us and give us feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us a tweet at GamerHeadsPC. You can send us an email at info at GamerHeadsPodcast.com. You can also go to Facebook.com slash GamerHeadsPodcast, or you can go on our website at GamerHeadsPodcast.com as well and leave us any feedback Either feedback about the show or feedback about our topics. And last week, we asked the question, um, is it really that important that the PS5 be backwards compatible? And this is what you all you all had to say. I almost had a southern accent. Y'all had to say. <laughs> uh, so, Christian, you want to take the first one? Sure. This one's from at BitTray. At 8BitTray, I'm sorry, they tweeted, absolutely, I want to play Fatal Frame 2 without having to hook up my PS3. 
And I agree a lot. I mean, I don't want to have to lug out my PS3 to play my favorite PS3 games, mostly because I have the old, big, fat PS3 that also plays PS2 games, and it's very loud. And I would prefer not having that very loud noise when I'm playing a game. Also, PS4 controllers, you can hook up headphones right into the controller, and that's how I primarily listen to the games I play. And if I could, you know, take that functionality across PS3, PS2, and PS1 games, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Mike, do you want to do the next one? Sure. This comes from at gents 71 They tweeted, we should make an expansion drive accessory that would allow you to play any PlayStation system games off of it. Hmm. You know, I kind of like that idea, especially if it comes to cost. You know, and I know in the last episode we talked about, you know, would you pay more for the backwards compatibility? And this kind of adds that option to it. Like, hey, if you want, here's our here's our legacy drive or something. Like this will, you know, that way you have options for those who don't want backwards compatibility. You can jump right into your PS5 and just play whatever. But if you, you know, want to spend an extra, I don't know, however much they, they're willing to charge for it, then you uh, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that would be nice. Uh, I feel like, didn't, well, I mean, the problem with that, though, is that I feel like they'll never do that because they've tried this in the past, like with the Sega tried out like a like an attachment, right? Didn't they? The Sega CD was an attachment and the 32X was an attachment. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they had. Uh, yeah. You, you went full Voltron with that system. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. And it, it seemed like it didn't really work very well. I mean, or at least didn't catch on very well, I should say. Mm-hmm. Not that it yeah. didn't work, but just that people were like, eh. I'm not gonna do that. Well, you had so. the GameCube right. adapter where you could hook up the Ooh. for Game Boy Advance games, I and that's the... very rare these days. Like that goes for a pretty penny. Uh, yeah. yeah, the actually the the uh, the, the Game Boy Advance, the yeah the the, the hookup itself, yeah, but the disc is really is that that is a hot commodity. And actually, mm-hmm. one of my favorite SNES games was the uh, Super Game Boy. Yeah, I love that. I played Kirby's Pinball Land uh, for hours on my TV. Mm. Uh, yeah, that one's on. The, that one's on the. Don't they have a Kirby pinball game on the Super NES Classic now, too? Yeah, they do. Uh, I think it was Kirby Golf, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe you're right. Kirby Golf thingy. Yeah. But, yeah, those are things I never had either as a kid. I think it's because they were just so expensive, but I don't know. It's weird track because it down, I'm... man. Track it, track it down. If you mm-hmm. still have your Super Nintendo, track down that Super Game Boy. It is awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, and the, the the thing is, like, I feel like now that we're getting older, like, us gamers that are getting older, like, we're more willing to spend money on these kind of things, where I think our parents were like, well, I'm not going to spend money on an extra thing. You know what I mean? Does that oh, make yeah. sense? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because not... not... <laughs> Sounds weird, but I feel like we value that more than what our parents did. Oh yeah, I never, I never tell you the story about how how the one the one of the times that I really, 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 really angered my dad. <laughs> uh oh. I didn't have an N sixty four. Uh huh. But I bought Mortal Kombat trilogy because mm-hmm. it was on sale at Best Buy for forty bucks. Uh huh. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna get an N sixty four eventually. <laughs> but what I did was because my parents were so like conservative with their money. I ended up hiding it in my room <laughs> and my stupid jerk brother found it and showed it to them. Oh no, oh, no. And my dad, my dad had just come back from, um, he went with, went out with some friends to, uh, to one of the gambling boats and he came back and, you know, he had, he actually, you know, he's like, he was all happy. He made, you know, he had, uh, 
he, he he actually he won you know he won some he came back heavier than he than when he went there so um so he was all and then he saw that and he got really mad because he didn't like spending money on video games but he like, gambled well and that's the thing he's like he's like don't you understand that buying these things are such a waste of time and i look at him like oh and gambling isn't yeah and I yeah. and I didn't realize what I said until it was too oh, late. No. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, uh oh and he's like and it just he had this look on his, his face. Oh boy. It was it was uh yeah, it it was not good, but he was uh like he didn't have anything to say. He was like stumbling and stuff. He's like get, get out of here. <laughs> you lawyered him, man. That's right, man. That was the that was my one time that I uh put him in his place. <laughs> uh since we're on the topic of like parents and stuff like that, I, so it's a side to side comment, but you know, my parents, it's so funny that you brought that up because my parents, when we were kids, like my dad was very, you know, conservative with money. My mom was the one that would buy us our video games and our video game systems, but my dad would be the one that was, you know, very conservative and like really upset with the fact that we would buy these things. Right. <laughs> and I feel like I got my mom's, uh, impulse buying stuff versus my dad's conservative <laughs> <laughs> nature but years a couple of years ago like i don't know like three years ago maybe yeah probably about three years ago my parents were like we're thinking about buying a new tv i'm like okay well what do you think so they wanted to buy like a 65 inch smart tv that has 3d uh glasses you know, can play 3d and stuff and i'm like well, wh- why do you need this you have a roku player you <laughs> <laughs> you don't need you don't need a smart tv mom and dad you already have devices that make it smart oh, okay you're right you're you're right and then what do they do they went and bought the tv they anyway bought it anyway <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i told you guys don't buy this tv <laughs> and it was just That's weird awesome. because i felt like i was the parent there in that in that relationship in that yep. moment <laughs> so that was really funny but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I feel like it's different, you know, because we value video games now. For, so I feel like, like even, even like retro systems. And somebody asked this, and well, I think that's part of our next questions here. Um, we'll just move right into those next questions. Uh, um, the we had a poll as well, and the poll was, um, uh, let me pull it up. A related topic: Do we sell any of our old consoles when we buy a new one? And 84% of you said no, and 16% of you said yes. Um, and somebody asked me, are there any, you know, sales that, or any things that, anything that you sold that you regret? Uh, you know, because I did sell video games in the past. And, and I said no, because, like, anything that I sold when I needed the money, now that I have money, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to buy it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how point. that works, but... Uh, so some of the feedback that we got actually from that poll, I would like to read through some of that. So uh, the first one is from Cardiac Drop, and they tweeted, Nope, I learned from my past mistakes, unless it's some, something that I won't miss. Vintage and older consoles are usually something I hold on to. It uh, it as hold on to it as long as it's not broken, which nowadays is rare. So yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to take the next one from the True Donny G, Christian? Sure. He said, I used to do this but only because it helped with the cost now that i am more of a financially sound adult i get to keep my old consoles i even keep the boxes all pristine and tucked away yeah so i think that's kind of and the true johnny g is like uh right around mike and i age 
Uh, and I think I think that's the same thing as the I keep my boxes too. I keep my boxes mm-hmm. for all my systems now. Yep, me too. Uh, <laughs> wow. And again, it's so different than when we were kids. So, yeah. uh, Mike, do you want to say take the last one from the purple sure. shirt guy? This comes to us from Purple Shirt Guy, which is a cool name. Uh, <laughs> they tweeted, I usually give them to my younger nieces and nephews or little cousins whose family can't afford them. I love seeing them enjoy the games. That's yeah. nice. I love that. Is that. Nice. that is yeah. nice. That's, I, I, that's, such a, that's such a better thing to do than giving it into a GameStop for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Purple Shirt Guy, you win. Nice Guy of the Week award. Yes. All right, well then, uh, let's move on to our our uh, review section, then our push select game review section. So, Christian, you reviewed the game Wargroove, mm-hmm. and uh, why don't you give your thoughts on that game? Sure, I played through Wargroove last week on PC. I finished it, uh, the campaign, and then I played a little bit with the multiplayer. And it's Advanced Wars. Have you guys played Advanced Wars? I have. Uh, I have. Well, you've played Wargroove because Wargroove is Advance Wars, and hey. it's on the Switch. And, and I also played Wargroove. <laughs> did you? Well, you've yeah, played Advance Wars twice because yes. Wargroove is Advance Wars, and Advance Wars is Wargroove. There's a couple Except, of little more things. Yeah, because yeah, you can make Roger. your own campaign and share them with people. You can, yes. Yeah. And that's really neat. The multiplayer functionality is awesome, especially in a, like a modern Advance Wars equivalent. I think that's rad, and it adds a lot of longevity to a game that's basically Advance Wars. Uh, and I think Wargroove being Advance Wars, like a top-down, turn-based strategy game, grid-based, you know, it's simple, it's effective, uh, it's got some fun attack animations. You gotta love seeing the dragons take out the ground troops and watching you just decimate them utterly and completely. Feels yeah. good. Yeah, but I think the best thing about Wargroove is that it's like Advance Wars, and the worst thing about Wargroove is that it's exactly like Advance Wars <laughs> because it doesn't really evolve the like the type of game it is. Yeah. I mean, it's largely Advance Wars. You've got heroes now, so the hero units, um, pretty. I think uh, for most of the missions, if they die, then the mission's over, so you Correct. can kind of prioritize yourself around those um hero units but they're also more powerful so you want to maybe get them out there to try and uh, do some more damage to some units out there but then you also put your hero unit in harm's way so there's a good push and pull there but it's largely pretty simple i mean it's advanced wars and they it can take a long time to get through some of the later levels i think the story is okay I'm disappointed in the writing and kind of what actually I'm disappointed in the narrative mm. is what I should say, because it starts out kind of interesting. Like the first tutorial mission does a really great job of introducing you to a couple of the lore's elements because you start out playing as the bad person, the antagonist. Yeah. yeah. And you like there's some interesting lore going on with the king that you assassinate. And that's probably the most interesting thing narratively that happens in the whole game <laughs> because the rest of it is just kind of hopscotching between these different factions and then you'll talk to one for a little bit and then uh, all these conversations happen on the battlefields before and after battles and I feel like they could have fleshed out the characters more, like had specific moments for certain ones in like non-battlefield situations in order to understand who these people are as people and there's a great cast of characters here, and that's highlighted in the intro cinematic, which is like hand-drawn animation. It looks like anime, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's incredible. It's awesome. Like, yeah. the purchase price is almost worth it alone for that intro animation. It's fantastic. But 
the the characters don't really do much. They don't get to interact much. And what it ends up boiling down to is you meet new faction with new character. They're like, hey, you're new. I don't like you. You beat them. They're like, oh, okay, you're pretty powerful. I'm going to be with you now. And that's it. You do that four more times. And then there's a conclusion at the end, which is slightly more interesting. But it's still a very by-the-numbers situation. You play as this, the main character is this girl who's the daughter, the princess of the king. And she leads the forces to war against the other faction that killed the king. That's about it. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you think that this... I mean, so what, I, what I've heard was that this game was created with their editor... And then they're just like, oh, let's just let's just provide the editor to people as well. Do you feel like that's more of like what they were trying to do is more provide something like here's here's a base game that you can play, but feel free to make your own, you know, campaigns and and really kind of drive it to you drive the narrative, you create what you want to create. Do do you think that that was their intention or do you think that it was just kind of an afterthought with the the campaign creator? That's that's an interesting point, Roger. I think. That campaign creator is awesome, and I think that's a really great tool and will give a lot of longevity to this game, uh, especially in comparison to the original Advance Wars where you just kind of just make your own scenarios and just mill through those over and over. I think the campaign doesn't feel like an afterthought. It's pretty significant, and they've crafted these really neat characters for it. Like, there's these really cool character designs there. The the shameful part is that they just don't do much with those really cool characters. They've got yeah. great dialogue back and forth, some great banter, but I didn't really get to know or understand any of these characters in a way that I would have with like Iconoclasts, for example, which is a Metroidvania, yeah. Metroidvania, which is fine, but the story is so fantastic and above and beyond what I was even anticipating, which was kind of what I was hoping they would do in Wargroove, yeah. but they just kind of... The, the campaign ends up feeling throwaway from a narrative perspective, which mm. is kind of sad. Uh, well, one other one other question I do have for you. Um, so you mentioned how, you know, the best thing and the worst thing about it is that it's advanced art or advanced uh, advanced wars, advanced mm-hmm. art, advanced. It's advanced <laughs> art, uh, advanced war uh, fair. What, what is it? What advanced advanced wars, advanced wars. Yeah. God, I knew it. I just. Yeah. OK. Anyway, um, question why if the formula works why change it that's a good question and i think uh the reason to change it is because there have been like three four advanced war games already yeah some of them have been good though christian uh the most recent one on the ds i think was pretty good and i mean they've been replicating that formula and i think that's why even those advanced war games are starting to overstay their welcome but I think the good thing about it is that a lot of people haven't played these other Advance Wars games, and a lot of people have just played like the original back when it came out towards the like infancy of the Game Boy Advance, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what they remember of the franchise. And totally, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And they do to a certain extent, and they add a couple more things here. But still, I think the the formula is showing its age. It's a little antiquated with how you move your units and then you attack and that's it like you just move attack and then it kind of gives it this herky-jerky pace and in later levels where you've got like these armies that you're controlling and that the ai is controlling against you it ends up being this like enormous slog almost and it's exhausting spending like 15 20 30 minutes thinking through every meticulous move and figuring out where you're going to put who where. Whereas I feel like modern day strategy games are kind of reining that in a little bit more. Something like XCOM, you've got 
smaller amounts of units and it feels tighter and more focused as a strategy experience because of that yeah yeah no, that's a good that's a good point um, uh oh, go ahead mike have you have you downloaded and played anybody's custom uh missions i have yeah and that's what i think that's why i ended up really liking advanced wars i mean it's i'm, I'm sorry wargroove aka advanced <laughs> wars <laughs> That's why I like Wargroup, because, I mean, Advance Wars is on the Game Boy Advance, this thing's on the Switch and PC, and there's some pretty awesome user-made content out there that gives this thing a lot of legs, especially for the price. I think it's like 20 bucks, yeah, which is awesome. I mean, letting people create whatever Advance Wars maps they want and you being able to easily access them, that's awesome. Nice. Now, are they just the levels, or do they actually create their own stories and dialogue, too? That's a good question, Mike. And that's oh. go ahead, Roger. They do they do both. Yes. So the, uh oh, so they wow. create their own dialogue and their own like cutscenes and stuff of like that. So you can do all that in the game. Oh wow. Yeah. Which is Consider awesome. my interest peaked. Yeah, so one thing I actually kind of I mean the that's the reason I bought the game actually. I don't care about the campaign really. <laughs> yeah. To tell you the truth. I bought it to do the uh campaign editor cuz I kind of want to do like a Dungeon and Dragons uh style campaign because you could create a whole campaign in that game mm-hmm. um and i think you can do multiplayer too so that's yes. really awesome battle against your friends yeah and the, what makes wargroove different i guess is the more medieval high fantasy setting so you've got walking skeletons and mages and swords and shields so that would lend itself well to yeah. the D thing you're talking about yeah. roger yeah it's awesome hmm. uh so your review is on our site, and what was your final uh, score? My final score was a B, despite being disappointed in the campaign. I think that this, despite being Advanced Wars also, this is a great way for anyone who hasn't experienced before or has only experienced the first one and wants to get back into it. This is a great way to pick it up and play it, and there's some great user-generated content out there. Nice. Cool. Thanks. Um, thanks, Christian. No the game that I am going to review... Uh, is uh, I played on the Switch, and it is the Caligula Effect Overdose. Uh, I believe it's also on the PlayStation 4, but I played on the Switch. And it is a JRPG, uh, very much your traditional JRPG. Turn-based? Uh, well, kind of. Let me, I'll get into the combat, because it's, it's, okay. it's different. So that's probably the most unique thing about the game. So just to give a little background of the game... So you are a high school student, and you are going through a commencement ceremony, and you look... So this is all in anime, so it's kind of cool. It's like all Mm. anime-esque, like you were saying with Wargroove. And you look in, like, the principal or one of the people, teachers or whatever, is like their face is all, like, digitized. It looks weird. Like, their face is all, like, weird-looking, and your character, like, freaks out and takes off running. And then some of the students in the crowd are like, huh, that's interesting. So they can see that as well. And that's how the game starts. Mm. <laughs> it's like, what the heck is going on? Just very, very traditional Japanese kind of like, well, this is weird and awkward. But it turns out you are trapped in like this virtual reality world that this this character created, two characters actually created, and they were trying to save people from their own pain and misery, and they created this world. And now you're in this world, and you join this group called the Go Home Club. 
And I don't want to get in too much because, like, I don't want to give spoilers. But anyway, they are trying to go back home. And you are trying to figure out how to go back home. And the way that this world is created is around music. So, like, the creator of this world, like, all uh, all their followers, like, are attracted to or turned into, like, these, they call them, um, did you... Did you something? I forgot, I forgot the Digimon? Name. Digital Monsters? No, not Digimon. I want to call <laughs> That's them Digimon. where I was going. <laughs> um, but they, they're like these digitized form, forms of themselves, and they are like lured by the music. So they are kind of con- uh, turned evil, I guess, by this music. And the music is really good. <laughs> like That's the thing. I'm like, this music's Ooh. fantastic. Um, and then your character, and then also the characters that you start finding through their pain and misery, they unlock... <laughs> <laughs> remembering their pain and misery from their world they unlock their superpowers or their super super abilities um so it's a cool concept it's such a it's a unique story i really liked this like the story a lot in this game um and that's what i want to talk about next is the combat so you asked about the turn base so this is such a unique combat uh style so every combat you go into you can do this thing what they call like preview of your attacks mm-hmm. so you can actually set it up so you you, you take in each character you can attack the enemies and you can set it up that you can see what what the outcome could possibly be so it's not fortune telling they even say that like don't think this is like telling the fortune or the future because this is not necessarily how it's going to go you might miss or something else might happen but the probability of this happening is is pretty high and then when you attack the the enemies you can actually line up your attacks with your uh with your rest of your party to link these all together, chain these attacks all together. And that's super cool. Like, it's so fascinating. So you can kind of see it happening um, before you actually execute the attacks. And what a cool battle system that is. I mean, it's, it's so awesome. So a lot of times, like, I'm not even taking damage because I'm able to set up my attacks in a certain way that I pop a guy up in the air, and then one of my other guys has this ability when he shoots him in the air, gives more damage to them. And uh, so I'm able to take a lot of enemies that way. So hmm. I really like that that combat. Like that's probably the, the besides the music and the voice acting, that's probably one of the strongest parts of the game, and one of the most unique parts of the game. Um, so some of the other things that I, I liked about the game too is that for a JRPG, so JRPGs, some people don't like them because they're really hard to like navigate right because like they're kind of complicated and they're not easy to play but this gameplay is really simple i i was like this is so this is like such a great game for people that want to get into jrpgs but don't know where to start like i think this is a really great game to to begin with because as you level up your characters you get skill points and you can use those skill points uh for anybody it doesn't have to be just one character so like you can level up like every person's special abilities with these skill points. Uh, and that's awesome. I think that's such a cool concept instead of like each person having, you know, their own skills that they're, I mean, they're, they're like progressive bars. You actually determine how you're going to progress your characters with the skill points you earn. So I really like that. And then the other thing that this game does offer is um, <laughs> there's like these trap souls that you can find throughout the game and you get to beat these enemies that are kind of defending these trap souls. And these are really like, the items that you find in the games and then they give you different abilities uh up, ups your stats for different things so like one might be defense one might be attack or some of your special moves um or some of your 
for the back, lack of a better term, like your mana or your mm-hmm. SP. So, yeah. um, so it's really easy to get into, and it's not complicated. And there's enough tutorial that kind of walks you through the game. When you come across something new, even like they'll walk you through, like, oh, this 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 is how you can use this character and their shields and stuff like that. So, I really like that about the game. Um, as I mentioned, the music is outstanding. There's uh, so so the whole premise is that these 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 people are being drawn or converted to or staying in this this uh, this virtual reality based on the music that that this um, the one of the villains is I don't want to call her a villain but I don't want to get too much into it but <laughs> <laughs> but that she's that she's singing and they're they're attracted to it and in each level like you're fighting against different musicians. And okay. to get closer to like the head, the head bad guy or the head boss person, and each level has different music and 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 it's it's like lyrics and it's so well done. Like the music is so good, it's it's outstanding. Uh, so that is one of the strongest parts of the game as well. Just I love the music and and the voice acting too. The voice acting is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's all in Japanese, but there's obviously subtitle. But it's so good, and then even after you beat a battle, like your characters will talk to each other, but they're saying Japanese. I don't. Re- that's not sub. <laughs> that's not in uh, subtitles. So I don't know what they're saying actually, but it's so cool that they interact with each other and they're like yelling stuff at each other. It's kind of it's cool. Like it's such a great, uh, great aspect of the game. And then the other thing I really like about it is that, like I mentioned, the story. The story is really intriguing. Mm-hmm. So just this this concept that, you know, th- this world is created to basically relieve people of the pain and misery of the real world but your characters are like and that's like the the dialogue you have you can actually choose your dialogue that you have with some of the characters you run into and try to convince them like you know that's part of life (laughs) the pain and misery is part of life and Mm. you want to go home and we don't want to be stuck in this uh you know this alternate universe or this this reality that you created and of course they want to keep you there because you destroying that is unraveling their world that they're creating themselves um Mm. And the character interactions, I again, I don't want to get too much into this because uh, there's some aspects of the game that I'm just like, oh, this is so cool. Like, I want people to experience it. But there's some things that happen in the games when in the game where you you interact with a certain character, and then something happens, and you're like, oh, this is so cool. This is so great. Like, I can't get into too much of it, but otherwise, it's going to spoil the game. But yeah, uh, but just the 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 fact that the story is so interesting and the character interaction is so great. I really loved that. So that was my tips and my tops. The, the, the things that I, the category of the flip and the flop, I guess, if you will. Um, so the game does start off a bit slow. There's a lot of story in the beginning of the game. So we just, just go through that. Just trog through that stuff. You'll, you'll get through it. Uh, there's not a whole lot of gameplay right in the beginning and you're and and really just like any kind of, jrpg they kind of throw you into like a mess of like what the heck is going on here (laughs) (laughs) and for the first i don't know probably half an hour you're kind of like i have no idea what's going on but then as you start playing you're like oh this is interesting this is really fascinating so just get through that first you know 20 minutes to 30 minutes or so and you'll be fine um the other thing that that was kind of weird was some of the dialogue is a bit strange, I would say, especially in this day and age. 
So there's one character that you run into, um, and she is heavy set, <laughs> and in in the the you run into some people that are like, oh, because she she's like a popular person in this world in this in this in this uh, virtual reality, and some of the people that are are turned or you know that are are embedded into this world they're like oh she's so beautiful she's so pretty i really love her and your characters are like she's fat why is she pretty that's not pretty at all that's not cute not in the real world that's that's fat and i'm like "Uh." (laughs) like that's very shallow then i'm thinking think like am i really a good guy here or am i a bad person (laughs) uh so that was kind of interesting especially since in our in our world that we live in now i guess you know you get a like, lot of uh yeah pretty big reaction to something like that yeah that i was taken aback by that i mean and i think it's just part of the quirky humor that they're trying to get at but that one seemed to kind of miss the uh miss the mark i mean a lot of it is very funny and just kind of weird and goofy but that that one i felt like kind of missed the mark uh, the other thing that I will mention is that, well, I, I, you know, I, I these are all minor things because I really love the game a lot. But one thing that I will say is that the dungeons, you can get lost very easily in the dungeon because uh, the dungeons, all of it kind of looks the same, <laughs> make it hard for you to understand where your bearings are mm-hmm. and know exactly where you are. There is a mini map that you can kind of follow, but the problem with the mini map, so there's little like exclamation points of where you're supposed to go. But if you're now nowhere near the exclamation points, you're not really sure where you're supposed to go. And a lot of the world kind of looks the same. Mm-hmm. And there are some times where you can use landmarks. But the hard part with the landmarks is that you might run across one and you're like, this kind of looks the same as before. And then the enemies that you defeated, the, like enemies will respawn. So like you can't really use that. Oh, there's no enemies here. So I must have cleared this area out because nope, oh. that's, that's not the case. They're, they're going to respawn on you. So, uh, I will say it took me uh, a while to get through, uh, just the first dungeon itself because I was just like, ah, I'm so lost. I have no idea what I'm doing. But then I, I started realizing like, okay, this is how I got to play this game. I kind of just, I, I, the first dungeon, I kind of just went back and did a lot of things and tried to figure out things and, ran into a lot of different areas that I probably shouldn't have been in at that time because <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> high enough level. Um, then going forward after that, I'm like, okay, I just got to like move forward instead of like just randomly explore like I was doing in the first dungeon. <laughs> uh, but the game is super deep. That was the other thing that is uh, amazing about this game. So you can play through this game and just take on the villains, take on the bosses and go each dungeon. There's also like over a hundred different characters you can recruit onto your team. Oh, wow. And they're all interconnected. And they had like this huge, like mind map kind of thing on your phone. You have this, like this phone that tells you about the game, about like what's going on and stuff. And you're, it's called wired, I guess. And keep track of like everybody that you're connected to. And, and you, you can go around and just like interact with people. So you can spend a lot of time interacting with them and moving up their, their friend level with you. So that way you can start recruiting them. Um, so that's also, in the game as well so you can spend as much time as you want on that but uh yeah so it's a, it's a deep game i believe uh, roger caligula the caligula you've you're playing caligula effect overdose is that what yes. it's called yeah i think it's a remake of a yes. playstation vita game yes 
did that expose itself to you at all in terms of like structure? Did it feel very segmented for portable play in any way? No, I didn't think so. I mean, you know, I, I, no, I didn't at all. I mean, I, I thought it, I thought it played really well and, and I thought, I mean, I played it both uh, handheld mode and then I also threw it up on the TV as well just to see what the performance would be like and such too. Yeah. Um, it was fine. Is that what you're asking though? Like, like like, this... Did it feel like a Vita game? Yeah, like a lot of times portable games are structured in like a more mission-based format oh, or in more segmented chunks so that yeah. they lend themselves better to isolated play sessions where you can pick it up and play for 15 minutes, be done for a while, oh, no. and then do that over and over. No, I didn't I didn't feel that way. Um, so there's plenty of save points, and I will say save your game as much as you can because there are some enemies that you might run into, uh, especially like early on in the game. Um where they're super high level and like i plan to go back and defeating those guys as i you know as i go back and through some of these dungeons because i i didn't beat all the bad guys i probably could have um but i didn't feel like it was segmented in any way like oh this is just for like short short uh rounds of play like i or, or short uh segments if you will for like handheld mode i i felt like this I actually thought that it translated very well for like a console game, actually. Interesting. Hmm. Um, so uh, my review is not up on the site yet, but it will be shortly. Uh, and but I will give you my grade right now. I gave it. I gave it. I'm going to give it a B plus because I really like the oh, game a lot. Wow. Um, for a JRPG, I think it's really accessible for people to play. I think the story mo- the story is really interesting. Uh, I, the, the combat system is absolutely amazing. Like that's probably the one, like I said, the one of the strongest things, the music is really good and acting voice acting is really good. I mean, the things that, that I said that, you know, I downgraded the game for were not terrible, you know, not things that I would say like, Oh, like this is a terrible game because of that. But still worth a call out. Yeah. Still worth a call out. Yeah. I mean, but overall I, I loved my experience in the game and, it, uh, and and I think that fans of fans of JRPGs would like this game, but I think even people that have never played a JRPG, I think this is a game that you should give it a shot. I think that games like Persona Five can be very intimidating, and I think this is like the answer to those that are looking for something that's like Persona Five, but not as intimidating as Persona Five. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then let's move on to the games that we are currently playing. And um, Chris, well, Mike, actually, let's start with you since Christian and I were just talking for the last, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. I was there. Yeah, that was good. I was had my feet up. I was enjoying the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, 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 only played, I only played a small handful of games. So I played some more of 12 is Better Than 6. Yeah. Uh, the Old West top-down shoot 'em up style uh, game and I I am getting through it and it's you know it's still it's still an enjoy enjoyable experience. Um, I will have the review up. Um, the I, I one of the things I like about it is that you can choose whether or not if you want to be stealthy or if you want to just go just go crazy mm-hmm. in each of the levels. Uh, the only problem is if you're going to go all out, you better make sure you're a really good shot because it's a <laughs> it's one hit kill. Yeah. Um, oh, yikes. Yeah, and it's it can get really tough if you're doing that. And I remember I was playing, and um, I, I I momentarily forgot which button was the shoot 
button, so I accidentally threw some dynamite, and that alerted everybody to my presence. Uh, I didn't make it very, uh, very much further after that, so I had to restart it. But um, so yeah, so I'm still playing through that. Uh, I'm also trying to take part in the Tetris 99 um, competition this weekend. Um, I haven't got a single win. I did oh. get second place a couple times, but nice. still didn't get a W in that column. So, um, but that's okay. I'm still having fun with it. Uh, and then um, the only the other game I played. So, uh, Roger, I told you yesterday that yesterday I went to a, a birthday party. Yeah. Um, my it was one of my one of my close friends from high school and college. Uh, it was his daughter's first birthday, and oh. he had he had the party at um level 256 which is a pac-man themed restaurant owned oh, by Namco. Oh, that's awesome yeah so um and it's it's a, it's it's so they've got it's kind of like a dave and busters type situation you know they've got games but they also have you know they got the ticket redemption games and uh but they've also got um coin op games you know and and pinball machines um and bowling so you know we went to the party and, we, and you know we played uh you know, we did some bowling and, you know, I played some, uh, you know, like Galaga and some Adam's Family pinball and stuff. But there was one game that I played that I loved and simultaneously made me angry at the same time. Tetris. Uh, and what that? <laughs> Tetris, yeah. <laughs> I played Tetris with 99 other people yeah. on, on one arcade machine. Yeah. Wow. Uh, no, it, it's it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, now, the arcade game? Now, here's the thing. It's not the arcade game, oh. and it's not Turtles in Time. Oh. It is an entirely new game based on the 2013 CGI cartoon, oh. which you and I talked about yesterday, and yesterday, I told you that yeah. you need to like get into that show because it's an amazing show for fans of the, of the old Turtles. Yeah. Um, but this game is a four-player arcade beat-em-up. Huh. And it's... um. You know, it, and it's it's very similar. There's actually like a lot of throwbacks to the old Turtles in Time game. There's a there's a sewer surfing level. Uh, um, uh, there's you know you there's uh there's there's you know very familiar bosses. Each each of the stages now have like a mini boss halfway through and a final boss. So instead of fighting Bebop and Rocksteady at the same time, you're fighting first Bebop and then at the end of the level you'll fight Rocksteady. Um, but uh, it's it's. It, it ran smooth. It looked great. You know, like foot soldiers are popping out of the sewer and throwing the sewer cap at you. Nice. You know, so there's yeah. there's a lot of fun stuff, but it, it plays like a really good Konami old school arcade game. And it aggravates me <laughs> at the same time because I'm looking at it and I'm like, why is this not being ported to home consoles? Yeah. Why is this only available in Dave and & Buster's and, and, and Gameworks and, and just these... In, in very limited qua- uh, quantities. I, I and So I'm thinking to myself, how hard could it be? Like, just, yeah. this looks like, you don't even have to include online, although that would be great if they did. That but, would, be... like, this, this, I mean, if you go to, there's there's YouTube videos on it and stuff, but, I mean, if you go to YouTube and check it out, just type in, you know, um, TMNT, Dave and Busters, or something like that, you'll see it's, like, it's a, it's a very, very good, it's a really good game. And the mm. animation is smooth, it doesn't look terrible, the, you know, the... I don't know. I just I had a lot of fun playing it. So nice. That's awesome. So that's what I played. Yeah, that's everything I played. Nice. Uh cool. Christian, what about you? Sure. Last week I played some Ape Out, which is like a Hotline Miami like. Came out last week. Really liked it. 
Uh, really enjoyed it. It's got this really neat freeform jazz type vibe, even though it's very frustrating. It's very difficult. I like that, but random enemy placement makes that frustrating. But if you want to learn more about that, you can read it on the site, GamerHeadsPodcast.com. Yeah. And I played um, Okami. So I oh. put like 15 hours into Okami. Not, I'm not as far as I wanted to be. Uh, I'm liking it so far quite a bit. I really like how the ink drawing mechanic lets you interact with the environment in a very interesting way, even though it's very frustrating because you have to kind of be a little more precise than I'd like you to be. Sometimes you don't really do get the circle exactly how the game wants you to get the circle, and that's annoying. And it also takes a while to pull up the screen, draw the ink around because you have to use the control stick and you have to be precise. It's got to be the right shape. And that's why I can see... Uh, people like the Wii version so much yeah. because that could be a lot faster. You can just pop in there, do a quick wrist motion, and then have that done with. And I can see how people say the Wii version is the definitive version in some sense. But this game is like everywhere now. Okami's everywhere. It's yeah. on Switch. It's on PS3. It's on Xbox 360. It's on Wii. It's on PS2. It's on PS4 and Xbox One. It's on PC. You can play it anywhere. And so far, I'm liking it. But I had to put it down because on Monday I got Octopath Traveler and I have been focusing on Octopath Traveler. That's I want to finish it before Sekiro Shadows Die Twice comes out, oh which gosh. gives me another week and it's going to be tough. It's going to give me a week and a half, I think, and it's going to be hard. I mean, I'm 18 hours in right now and I'm enjoying it it's not bad uh it's a jrpg like you guys i'm sure are aware uh the stories are structured in a very frustrating format where you have to do each one one at a time so you've got the eight characters and i've gotten all eight and i've done all their chapter ones and it's just frustrating because i'm like oh i like this one and then uh don't really care about this one oh this one is written very poorly oh, I hate this character's voice actor. I don't want to do this guy's stuff. And then I have to like go through all eight and then I can finally move to chapter two after I grind a bunch in order to get up to a high enough level. And Octopath Traveler is a game that doesn't care about your time. It says, grind. I don't care what you have to say. This is the recommended level and you're not there yet. Grind. Get to that level. And swap out the characters in your party because you got to get them all up to that level because I don't care about your time. You're going to spend it playing Octopath Traveler. Yeah. And that is similar to a similar reason for why I didn't, wasn't too fond of Red Dead Redemption 2. It kind of kills the pacing for me and I'm totally fine sitting back and grinding and grinding in a game. If I want to kind of exceed and make the rest of the game significantly easier as a result. But as soon as grinding starts bleeding into the mandatory territory, that's where I start having more issues with it because i like having difficulty in a turn-based rpg i like um like going through the story and being faced with challenges that require me to use every last ability in an interesting way and be able to strategize around these enemies that i'm familiar with instead of just running through and just mowing everything down because my numbers are a lot bigger because i spent five hours sitting there and fighting the same things over and over again yeah See, and 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 it's it's funny they say because I love I, <laughs> I love grinding in video games. I mean, I love grinding in in, R, in RPGs because this is why I like RPGs as a genre because it's I'm only as good as as much time as I want to put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I totally hundred percent agree with you on the on the fact that it is a grind fest in that game. Like even to the point where I get a little frustrated with it because of the fact you can only have four. Four characters, and and it would be one thing if you could just play with those four characters and just 
that's you know the game you're gonna play with those four characters but each character has their own ch chapter which means you have to switch out the characters to get you know all, all the, the chapters completed mm -hmm. that is that is very frustrating that's why i liked i mean i'm gonna bring it back to the caligula effect that's why i really liked that game is because i did grind in that game but i didn't feel like it was it was like oh you have to it wasn't necessary it was it was on my own accord this is what i wanted to do and uh and i mean it certainly paid off because <laughs> i mean it was uh when i took on bosses it wasn't as hard but i'm just saying that um it was my choice to do that it wasn't something that i was forced to do and and that's to me i think that's the big difference between like an octopath traveler versus like a game like Caligula effect mm -hmm. i'm not you. saying that octopath traveler is bad because i really like that game a lot but yep. i'm just saying that that is a flaw in that game yeah. yeah, I'll agree with that too, yeah. I've got a number of other problems that I've been having with it while I've been playing through it. Like the side quests, I feel like aren't as good as they could be because yeah. I think we've kind of been spoiled by more Western side quest game design because of Witcher 3, which has kind of blown our expectations of what a side quest can be. And we've seen that trickle into things like um, Horizon Zero Dawn or Spider-Man even, where you've got these side quests that are very substantial in the story department and they actually have a narrative in their own right. And that is kind of the case in Octopath Travel. You got these little tiny bite-sized <laughs> stories here and there, and some yeah. of them, uh, some of them play out over the course of multiple side quests. Like you'll have side quest name one, and then side quest name two, yeah, where yeah. you follow a story for a little bit, but it's also in segmented chunks, which is frustrating. And also, none of the stories really have a chance to breathe or flesh out the world in a meaningful way in this universe that feels very, like very wrote and it feels like octopath traveler's world feels kind of like well-trodden ground at this point i mean it's your yeah. typical ogres orcs uh, frogmen and you're fighting them and bats and then you got your typical magic that you use fire ice lightning and you can get poisoned and we've seen this in several games before and at least as far as i've gotten it hasn't gotten to a point where it feels very interesting to me it's just mm -hmm. And you know, turn-based RPG that I can spend some time playing. I like the I like the boss fights in those in those. Though. I really like the fact that they made those bosses like huge, like yeah, the scholar boss. Uh, like yes, do you remember him? Yeah, that was <laughs> he was awesome. Yeah, I like the visual designs a lot. Yeah, I like I how too. I think it's a very good way of bringing pixel art to a more modern 3D era where kids look at something that's pixely and say, ew, that's gross. Why would you play that like my little brother did with Minecraft? <laughs> and I think it's a good happy medium where you keep that pixel sprite art character design while still having these gorgeous environments that have these nice little particle effects, even though there's some weird slowdown in spots which bother me. Like there's this one entrance to a castle, and for some reason the game just chugs right in that entrance to the castle and mm. i guess it's just because there's a lot of there's a lot of pixels there but i feel like a super nintendo could have pulled that off just fine yeah which is very weird to me it's kind of weird but the game looks good the game does look good game looks good uh cool anything else nope that's it for me my goal is to hopefully finish octopath traveler in the next couple weeks nice uh what are you playing a kami on I played it on PS4. I own okay. it on PS3, okay. and I meant to get to it there. But uh, with the 1080p on PS4, that's where I preferred. Even though the frame rate's locked to 30 frames per second, which is a little frustrating. 
I wish it could, you know, get to 60 because 60 yeah. is better in almost every instance, but yeah. I'm putting up with it. Nice. Um, for myself, outside of uh, the Caligula Effect Overdose, um, the other game I've been playing is a little game called Trials Trials Rising. Not a little game. Uh, it's a uh, motor, I don't know, motocross bike game? I'm not, I'm not really sure what they are, I guess, but... <laughs> I think they are, right? But sure. um it's amazing. I love the game. Oh man. I'm really enjoying my time with it. So when so I got a funny story when I picked it up. Uh I went to go buy it and the I bought it at GameStop and the guy said, "Have you ever played a Trials game before?" And I said, "Uh no, I haven't." He said, "Oh. They're like really fun but super frustrating like to the point where you want to throw your controller across the room and smash it. Like that's how these games are." And like and he just kept going on on how hard they are and just, like, how, like, sometimes they're not very fun because they're just, like, complicated because you have to do a certain thing at a certain time. And I'm like, uh, should I not buy this game? <laughs> he wasn't yeah. selling it at all. And I said, did you play the Switch one? Oh, yeah, yeah. What do you think? Oh, yeah, it's okay. I was like, okay. Well, I mean, I'm going to get it. And I'm so glad that I did um, because, yeah, it is challenging and difficult at times but really like fun like <laughs> mean, just all the different crazy stunts you can do in the game and just the different uh different tracks you can race on are super fun mm -hmm. and uh in the customization so like i love customization in games i don't know why this is like one of my things that i really love and i really love the fact that you can customize your outfit that you're wearing and your bike and you can put stickers all over your bike and your helmet and your shirts and it's so cool. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and those listeners, if you are playing this game, there is a Gamerheads uh, shirt that I created that you can go out in the store and get. I think it's like 168 gold, uh, in-game gold currency for for the shirt. So it's not that expensive either. Um, But yeah, I mean, and so Christian and I were talking a little bit about the game before the podcast started. And one thing that that he mentioned was that I've never played any of the trials games before. And one thing that you mentioned, Christian is how like a lot of the other ones, like they're mission based. You go play the, you go play a level and you move on to the next one, move on to the next one where this mm -hmm. one, like each track that you open up, like there might be new contracts at that track that you have to do different stunts or different things to win those contracts. Um, and I'm playing it on a switch. Uh, but to me, I think uh, that, that made it, the fact that you can go back to some of those uh, tracks and play them differently, like try different things, actually made it much more fun for me because it gives it more replay availability, I guess. Hmm. Interesting. But I Instead like of just like creating more tracks, they're just reusing the other ones? Well, they do have, they, you do unlock new tracks, but they're, like I opened up, so like Ubisoft, if you join their club and you you can um, buy uh, with some of your gold, you can buy the Ubisoft contracts. So that way there'll be some of the tracks you already beat. There's like, Oh, like there's a new challenge at this track that you already, you know, beat. And then you go do that challenge to get whatever stuff that Ubisoft has to offer. Like there was one that I had to beat a certain character at a track. And if I did, I got like an Ubisoft t-shirt or a shirt that I can wear. Um, so that's a rare item in the game or a legendary item in a game or something like that. They can only get through unlocking it through this contract. 
And so I went and played it, and I, I, I lost the first couple times, but I finally beat the, the character I'm supposed to beat, and I got the shirt, and I was like, yay! <laughs> Is it as frustrating as the employee tried to get you to believe? No. Like, I mean, granted, I'm still early on in the game. I just picked it up, like, Friday, Thursday or Friday or something like that. So I'm not that far in the game. But uh, the contracts that I played so far, I mean have been really fun and not frustrating so i i would not say it's as frustrating as he said it was going to be one of the interesting things i'm sorry go ahead roger well i was just going to say one thing i mentioned how i played on the switch so a lot of people asked you know like how is that compared to the ps4 or the xbox and and uh and i i here's the thing like i'm very forgiving when it comes to gameplay like on handheld consoles and and such because uh, I grew up with Atari, so I think I'm much more forgiving than a lot of people are. But I, I think it's fine. But I did see some video of the PS4 version. I'm like, okay, yeah, that looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting thing I heard about Trials on Switch specifically is that, um, especially on the later levels, you have to be very good at kind of utilizing the analog nature of your mm, yeah. um, of your throttle. So, like, you don't always want to throttle all the way yes. and you don't always want to just let go of the throttle but on the switch triggers those are analog those aren't analog trigger oh. triggers those are digital have you noticed that kind of play into any of the levels that you've gotten to thus far roger do you see that being an issue no i mean so i mean yes the fact that you have to like pay attention to when you want to throttle down and when you don't um i have not seen it being an issue at all for me i get you um it's just a learning curve of like when i should be you know, so the first couple tracks that I played, or, you know, I always think to myself, oh, I have to gun it as fast as I can. Well, that's not always the best option, right? Or mm-hmm. um, there's one that was, you're riding on this roller coaster track, and I just let my bike take me uh, all the way down. Because if you hit gas, you're going to, like, fly off the track. You're just going to gun mm-hmm. it right off the track. I don't hit the gas until about two-thirds down, and then I hit the gas, and then I, you know, do my boost and... And that way I'm also not flying so high in the air because that's another thing. You don't really want to fly too high in the air unless you're trying to do tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of your contract challenges. But I, again, I didn't play it on the PS4 or the Xbox, so it's hard for me to say, like, oh, I can see the difference. Now I can feel the difference. Um, but for the Switch, I I, I don't – to me, it, it hasn't been an issue at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's easy to play and it's easy to pick up. Um challenging yes but not not to the point where i want to throw my controller across the room (laughs) yeah one funny thing that i noticed in addition to the controller thing is um there's this person that i noticed talking about um playing the game someone who's played a lot of trials in the past they were playing it on switch and they were talking about the only digital um nature of the triggers and the funny thing is is that if you plug in a gamecube controller with a gamecube adapter into your switch that actually allows you to get the full analog trigger on the GameCube, which is very weird and fascinating that the GameCube controller has more functionality than the Switch Joy-Cons yeah. in terms of huh. analog trigger control. Yeah, that's weird. I guess yeah, I don't I don't I have a bunch of GameCube controllers, but I don't have the uh adapter adapter at all. Yeah. So uh but I mean if you are I don't know I mean, if you're looking for something that's like kind of, I mean, not just kind of deep. I mean, I think this game is very deep. This is this, the two games that I've been the most impressed with Ubisoft 
have been this one and and uh, Starlink. Like just so much content and there's so much to do in the games, and and it just kind of flew on the radar. Both of these games. I think one thing that you mentioned to me, Christian, was with Trials Rising, was the fact that a lot of the hardcore fans of the Trials games are saying this is too like easy and not easy but too mainstream i guess right yeah yeah they restructured a lot of the game's typical progression in a way that's very akin to modern video game design and to me i think that that's what makes it appealing to me uh but i guess i mean i can see why people might if you're fans of of a certain genre like advanced wars for instance and so the changes (laughs) i'm just kidding if you're, if, you're, if you're used to a certain genre or a certain way that the game plays and then they change it up, I can see why you might be upset. But I think it's actually, for somebody that's never played a Trials game before, this is a very welcomed uh, change, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Awesome. Uh, that's what I've been playing. So let's do this. Let's take a break, and then when we come back, we'll get into our hot topic. So stay tuned. And welcome back to Gamerheads. Uh, this week's our hot topics is uh, in honor of International Women's Day, we wanted to talk about who our top five female video game characters are of all time. So, Mike, why don't you start us off? We'll start off with number five. We'll just go around the table. You'll mention five. Christian and myself will mention our number five, and then we'll we'll keep going. So, Mike, start us off. Who is your number five uh, female character of all time? So my number five female character is Sakura from uh, Street Fighter Alpha 2. Oh, nice. And, you know, moving obviously on in the other games that she was in. But, you know, in, in, in playing Street Fighter uh, 2, my my go-to is always Ryu. And she, um, and I, and I kind of like bonded with this character because she was, you know, she looked up to Ryu and she's like, okay, I want to be like him. You know, when I when I get older, so I'm going to start training and I'm going to do everything I can so I could be as good or better than him. And I just I just always enjoyed her story uh, in the games and even her style of gameplay. I really liked her uh, her um, um, her running running Shuriken, um and uh, it's just like she had some different takes on classic Ryu moves, which I which I found like is kind of like a breath of fresh air. So um, I always enjoyed playing as her in the, on the Street Fighter game. So yeah, she was my number five. Nice. Yeah, she's. I do enjoy playing uh, her as well. I think that she's a she's a fun character, and, and and a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned. I I enjoyed uh, the fact that she, you know, she has this determination, right, to to do like to be better than Ryu. So I I I do I like yeah I agree. She's an awesome character. Christian, what's your number five? My number five is Shell from Portal, because that's the oh. main playable character, and she's just a complete blank slate. The fact that she is female is not dwelled upon at all, and you are mm. able to give that character the psyche and the emotions and project yourself upon that character in any way that you deem necessary, and that is completely divorced from the fact that she is female, and I think that is very rare in video games, and I think yeah. that Valve they should be commended for doing such a yeah. thing. That is a good pick, Christian. Thanks, Roger. <laughs> uh, my f- <laughs> my fifth pick uh, is um, Princess Zelda. I gotcha. Uh, Damsel in Distress, one of the best. <laughs> well, I mean, 
yeah, but I think I think for me, Princess Zelda has always <laughs> it's it's just <laughs> uh I think I think the reason that I've always liked her uh is not so much from <laughs> from the game itself, but from the cartoon of Zelda. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> hey, there, um, that was actually that was gonna be my question. I was gonna say so which iteration of yeah. princess zelda pirate zelda um you know emotionally um distressed zelda from breath of the wild but then yeah you went and <laughs> went, and went with cartoon zelda no that's very interesting so why why is that uh well she just had a very strong personality in the cartoon and uh you know it was interesting because she always stood up to to link and link was kind of cocky and she would try to impress on him like how important this is and blah 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 but uh i don't know i just liked her i she she just i liked her strong personality in a cartoon and i wish that they would you know explain why this is called the legend of zelda when you have link doing most of the work (laughs) like i wish there would be more about zelda in the game but uh i don't know i've always liked zelda i always thought that she was a really cool character and yeah, so uh, All right. that's the reason I picked her as number five. All right, Mike, what is your number four character? Uh, number four is going to be unbelievably cliche, but it is Lara Croft. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. Uh, you know, Tomb Raider, when it first came out, when I first played it, I was just just blown away by the just the, the, the gameplay and the puzzles. I remember there was one, one particular puzzle that I spent like 40 minutes on trying to figure out, and then all of a sudden I saw like some writings on the wall and it clicked and I just felt like, I don't know. It was just such a cool, such a great experience that uh, uh, of playing. And then, of course, you know the the, the storyline with her. And uh, unfortunately, the the games kind of dwindled in quality. But then, when they rebooted it, I was that turned out to be like one of my favorite games was the uh, the rebooted Tomb Raider. Oh, wow. Like when Lara Croft, when Lara starts off as kind of like you know starts off as this you know the the damsel in distress and and I and I gotta tell you man she gets beat to hell in this game. Yeah. I feel bad i feel really bad for her but then as you get later on in the game she like turns into john wick and i'm not even joking yeah. because i'm like i'm blasting kneecaps and following up with the headshots and everything like that she just like the character has such an amazing arc and transforms throughout the um throughout the entirety of this game that um it, it really stuck with me uh throughout uh, even afterwards nice Nice. Yeah, you know, she was going to be on my list of characters too. She just didn't make it. I I almost had her on, and then I I, yeah, she didn't make the cut. So, but mm-hmm. I can see why she would be on your list. So nice. Uh Christian, my number four would be uh, in the same vein as Valve. It will be Alex Vance in Half Life Two. I really like her character, especially because it's she's in a video game that's so devoid of human life and like anything to grasp onto. Despite like having various NPCs here and there, they just don't feel like distinct human beings, whereas Alex Vance feels like this ray of sunshine, light, and hope in a dystopian future that is mm. Half-Life 2. Mm. And I really like that about her. She's got this happy-go-lucky personality, and she just like completely ignores the circumstances, says screw it, and helps you through in ways that I feel like made me feel better while playing through Half-Life 2. And so, yeah, she's one of my favorites. Absolutely. Nice. Cool. Uh, for myself, my number four. <laughs> Chris, and I are going to say another damsel in distress. But uh, Princess Peach. Uh, yeah. 
But not Super Mario Brothers 1 Princess Peach. I'm talking about Super Mario Brothers 2 Princess Peach, where like mm-hmm. you actually got to start playing her as a character. And I will tell you, she is the whole reason that I actually beat that game. Because <laughs> the fact that she can kind of do that float jump. That float, man, that's a lifesaver. It is. I know. And I am not good at like jumping jumpy areas. You can just ask my wife, like I get all like frustrated with jumpy jumpy games where you have to like land on certain platforms and such. But she made that game so much easier. And uh and she is the true hero of Super Mario Brothers two for me. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Alright, what's your number three, Mike? My number three is the Master of Unlocking Jill yes. Valentine. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, with uh, with Resident Evil and, you know, it, even Resident Evil 3. Um, but when I, you know, in, in Resident Evil, you get to choose between Chris's campaign and Jill's campaign. I always, always favored Jill's campaign over Chris's. Mm. I liked uh, the more intelligent approach to uh, certain to certain uh, parts of the game. Like, for example, with the uh, the giant plant boss fight. Uh, if you're playing as Jill, there's a part where you could just find some chemicals, mix them together, yes, yes. and just put them in the roots of the plant, and you don't yes. even have to fight that boss. Yes, yes, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and I, I always just enjoyed, you know, just I, I found her character to to be like just just really, really, really cool, really fascinating. I loved the uh, the the cheesy commentary in the game. You know, the Jill sandwich and all that good stuff. And even in Resident Evil 5, when um, when you actually had to fight against her, that, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite boss battles, too. I loved, uh, especially because I played that online uh, with Brian oh, from, nice. from the show. And just, like, having to work together to, to save her. And I always felt so terrible when I accidentally shot her in the face. And I'm like, sorry, I'll restart it. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So, she's my number three. Nice. Christian, what's your number three character? My number three would be similar to Alex Vance, something someone that's very narratively driven. That's Elizabeth in Bioshock Infinite. Mm, I really uh, like that video game. Uh, it's another kind of dystopian future type situation. And Elizabeth is another kind of untainted, untouched lady that's individual that's stuck in this tower and she's not exposed to this outside world. And as soon as you break her out of there... She's not only very helpful from a gameplay perspective, but you also get to see her perspective of everything while you're walking through these really cool environments. And then you also get to see the impact of all the screwed up stuff that's going on in the world have an impact on her and see how kind of that psychologically wrecks her as a person. And I really liked her in Bioshock Infinite because of that. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting... I I, I, uh, I have to go back to that game because I started that game and boy, that is a messed up game. Yeah. I like messed up stuff, Roger. <laughs> I mean, just just the weird like world that those people created. How messed up is that? You said it. Um, my number three is a character that I feel is probably the strongest character in Octopath Traveler. And uh-huh. she has the most interesting background. And just the things that she goes through to get revenge. And that's Primrose. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, man. Oh, man I... I've always said my favorite character in the game. Yep. I mean, she has a very dark uh, story. And, you know, the the hell that she went through to get revenge on for her father is yep. unbelievable. And uh, just even her first her first boss fight, 
that she had yeah uh, was was you know really powerful and just you know kind of like i don't know big f you to yeah <laughs> to, Dude, to that, that is the best way to put it that is yeah. the best way to put that yep. yeah so i i i think primrose is so awesome she's such a cool character and just a really strong character and uh just somebody that that i don't know it's just you you can't she she's just won't she won't go down like she's just a strong character so i really like her a lot good good choice mike what is your number two my runner-up is the very very capable very strong-willed isabel from animal crossing Mm. yes fishing pole oh don't even get me started on that that's (laughs) yeah and smash man nothing yeah nothing you gotta steer clear of that man because that'll Mm -hmm. that'll take you out Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in Animal Crossing, she she could she can run the entire town. In yeah. fact, when when the time comes and it's not an if, it's a when statement. <laughs> when you decide to leave your town and stop playing, she stays behind and she's like, you know what, My, our mayor left, but I got this. <laughs> I'm gonna take, except for the gardening, everything but the gardening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, she was always she's always in charge of the events. She's always you know giving you advice, telling you, okay, here's here's what um, the you know, she's going around taking a, a, a survey from all our residents. Here's what they're happy about. Here's what they're not happy about. Here's what I recommend we do. She, she like, she's in charge of that town, man. She's, mm-hmm. she's, she's the, she's the puppet master. She's pulling those strings. So. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> so yeah, she's my number two. Nice. Uh, Christian, what's your number two? My number two would be female shepherd or fem shep in Mass Effect. Oh. I like her a lot more than male shepherd, which is really weird because. I played through Mass Effect 2 and 3 as a youngin, and I did it as male Shepard because I was like, oh, girls, why would I pick a girl? I'm a boy. I'm going to be the boy. And I never really connected to male Shepard. He's got this weird, monotonous voice that I feel is very hard for me to believe. I, I feel like he's a robot, whereas with female Shepard, when I went back and played through 1, 2, and 3... I played as female Shepard. I liked her infinitely more. She made it significantly easier to invest myself in the circumstances. And I think the voice actress for her does an excellent job. And that's probably what kind of propels her character for me is that she's got a huge range and she's believable as both like the paragon that wants to save the universe and the renegade that takes no nonsense and wants to get stuff done for her own good. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a good uh, pick, the man. Thanks, wow. Roger. Uh, my number two is somebody that when it happened, it was like a game changer to me, I think. Uh, and it was like an eye opening thing. And I just think this was such a great, a great moment in video games. And that's when you find out that, uh, Samus is a female and she takes off the helmet. Like how, how powerful was that? You know, I just thought that was so cool that. Here you have the strong female character that, you know, all these, you know, <laughs> kids were, boys were playing. And then when they found out it was a girl, I was like, what? Like, that was so <laughs> cool. And she is so strong-willed and really powerful uh, as a person, but also has, like, a heart. And, I mean, just the, the way she handles herself in all the situations is just really amazing. So she's 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 my number two. Yeah, no, pick. that that's that is a good pick, pick especially when uh, was it uh, zero mission when you actually lose the suit. Yeah, 
and you have to get around just based on your on your wits alone. I thought yeah, that mm-hmm. was like that was really cool. Added a lot of depth to the character. I yeah. I own Other M, but I haven't played it yet. And I, I from what I understand either. that that uh, that gives a much deeper backstory for her. Yeah, yeah. All right, Mike, we're at number one. Who is your number one female? Number character? one. So this character is. Uh, I played this game back in 2002 or 2003, and this character still uh, resonates as as one as my favorite, not just female character, one of my favorite video game characters of all time. Especially, and I'll get to this in a moment. Considering the age that um, the 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 kind of society we are in when this uh, when this game was released. But my number one uh, of um, my favorite female video game character is Jade from Beyond Good and Evil. Mm. Oh, she's great. Um, yes, it was so cool to see uh, to see this character just just so different. And that's and that's that's the thing is that she was she was so different from other. She was a down to earth. She you know she was a photographer, um, you know scientist, um, just 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 a normal decent and i will say this fully clothed uh (laughs) female character in a video game and especially what i mean by by that is at that time that that game came out we were we were still on like getting towards the end of the extreme um ideals (laughs) of the late 90s early 2000s when everything was extreme 2000 everything's crazy and uh case in point the year before Beyond Good and Evil came out, we were treated, and I'm using air quotes here, to um, uh, a uh, BMX game called BMX XXX that oh, featured yes. topless yes. bike bike riders. Yeah. So just to give you an idea of just the kind of mindset that these that that society was in at the time, uh, and just to see that totally different, totally flipped around with this character and and with her relationship with Paige and you know it just it was just the character was just so well developed and such an amazing character she's definitely got my number one nice yeah that's an amazing pick yeah she wouldn't feel out of place in a video game today that game was way ahead of its time as far as the protagonist was concerned yep nice good pick mike thank you uh christian what's your number one pick my number one would be from what I say is my favorite video game of all time, and that's Metal Gear Solid 3. Ooh. My favorite character in that game is Big Boss, who is your kind of uh, your uh, mentor. And in typical Japanese story fashion, she's like this typical archetype of like the grizzled veteran. But she kind of turns gender norms on her on their head by being a female character and having like her character be defined by a relationship that's not a romantic one it's an apprentice mm. and master relationship between herself and you the main character and i think that that is just fantastic it leads to some very cathartic moments and it is completely it makes her this very interesting character for reasons that are completely inconsequential to her gender and i feel yeah. like that's a great pinnacle of females in video games and what i'd like to see out of you know uh women going forward in video games and i really like her as a result yeah nice good pick pick too my number one pick is uh somebody all my characters have been like very strong female like protagonist uh uh, or the reason i like them is because they they define odds i guess if you will 
mm-hmm. and a- uh, Aloy is my other is my. Oh, other I gotcha. Kid. Yeah. So here's somebody that was cast aside, right, and like wants to find out who she is and what, what you know, what she's about, and and not only that, but she like is inquisitive and figures out things and like is not gonna willing to take things as they are. Is like, no, this isn't right. This is not how things should be. And she she takes it upon herself to figure out what's going on, even against everybody else's like uh, recommendation, even her father type figure that you know raised mm-hmm. her. Uh, you know she she's willing to 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 stand up for what she believes in, and that's awesome. So I really like her as a character, and she was a great addition to the PlayStation. Uh, the, the very few mas- mascots that they have. <laughs> <laughs> But she's a great addition to to that pantheon of of uh, of characters that they have. Did you see Roger? Did you get far enough in the game to see what her origins are? Uh, I am right to the point where she she's doing the trials. So doing the trials, I gotcha. I find her origin story is very interesting because not only uh, I mean it's a bit cliche as far as origin stories go, but it's very thematically significant as far as the mm. very matriarchal society in Horizon Zero Dawn is concerned, and that's why I really liked her as kind of like a pinnacle of the thematic statement that Horizon Zero Dawn is making. Yeah, so I, I will say like yeah, I'm not very far. I have to go back to that game because I started playing it and then I had to move on to other things. I need to go back to that game, but just. The, the way she stood up for herself against other uh, the odds and even from a little kid, right? Like to even yeah. find the technology was amazing. She was just like, it was like, you can't do that. She's like, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Like, why do we, she questions everything. And that's awesome. Uh, listeners, what are your favorite female characters? You can let us know. You can send us a tweet at gamerheads PC. You can also send us an email at info at gamerheadspodcast.com. You can also go online at GamerHeadsPodcast.com, and then you can go to Facebook.com slash GamerHeadsPodcast as well. All right, before we go then, let's go around and tell people how they can get a hold of you. So, Mike, how can people get a hold of you? You can find me on Twitter at TC Throwers. Uh, you can also check out the Controller Throwers podcast right here on GamerHeadsPodcast.com. And please, please check us out at Twitch.tv slash TC Throwers. Nice. And Christian, how can people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Christian Cubza, or you can read my reviews on GamerHeadsPodcast.com, NewGameNetwork.com, and PushSquare.com. Thanks. And listeners, as I mentioned, you can follow us on Twitter at GamerHeadsPC. That's probably the best way to get a hold of us. But you can also go to Facebook.com slash GamerHeadsPodcast. Continue the conversation. We'd love to continue the conversation with you. You can go to GamerHeadsPodcast.com, become a member there, and uh, you can leave comments on all our articles out there and uh let us know what your thoughts are and then as mike said we also do have a twitch channel as well so follow us there we are we would love that uh, our channel is twitch.tv slash gamerheads podcast uh, one last plug i'll say is if you do love the show please please tell your friends about our show we would love to have uh more listeners in the conversations uh to have more conversation around the, the topics that we talk about that's the whole reason we created this podcast so tell your friends, and so we can have a community that uh, we can have these discussions, a safe community where we can have these discussions. That's the whole premise behind this podcast. 
And then also go to iTunes, which is going to be in the link uh, in the in the show notes uh, will be a link that you can go to iTunes and leave us a review, uh, even if it's just a, giving us a star uh, or or five. <laughs> we appreciate it. So, all right, uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And Christian, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. And listeners, once again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate the time that you take out of your busy schedule to give us a listen. Uh, until next week, uh, make the right choices and <laughs> keep gaming. See ya. So long. Bye.